0: From the Capital City, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juno Assembly met this week and approved funding for Juno Docks and Harbors, as well as some housekeeping on general regulations at Docks and Harbor facilities. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon with that while on the KINY Morning Show.
1: We approved an appropriate ordinance of $500,000 for Aurora Harbor improvements, and this is a match for $2 million from the state. And then we also approved an ordinance amending permanent acts within the Docks and Harbor Board regulations related to dogs. And basically, in a nutshell, it means that anybody can walk their dog or their cat. You just need to curb your animal. And then we also approved uh, ordinance uh, amending boat harbor regulations related to vessel identification. So you have to have some form of vessel identification on your vessel now.
0: Weldon said an entity has purchased the building where Juno Electronics used to be.
1: We also approved the application of Henson Gress to purchase city property, and this is the building that Juno Electronics used to be in, and there's a small sliver of land. On the Tide Land lease that they purchased so they could do major renovations to their building. But we did verify that we do have an easeway that if we ever wanted to do a seawalk that way, we would be able to do it.
0: Weldon also gave a heads up on this week's holiday events and their city committee openings.
1: Just a shout out to the Salvation Army. Thanksgiving meal is at the Yacht Club on Thanksgiving from 11 to 1. If you're interested in that. And the turning on the Christmas lights in Douglas is Friday, this Friday at 6 p.m. if you're interested in seeing the lights turn off. We are still looking for Bartlett Regional Hospital Board and Planning Commission applications. The deadline is November 30th. So if you're interested in either of those two boards, please sign up.
0: Juno Mayor Beth Weldon. On the topic of Juno City Committees, members of the Bartlett Board Ron Capital chat to talk about serving on that board. Here's Vice President Brenda Knapp with this to say about serving on the board for the hospital.
2: The opportunity with the hospital is it's owned by the city. Um, the board members are appointed by the assembly, and the assembly is elected by the citizens of Juneau. So it's accountable to the citizens, to all citizens of Juneau. And it's important that we keep it. And to do that, we need support, um, and including on our board of directors. So, um, you know, we we have a, a seat or two that needs to be filled this time around, and we need people, as Kenny said, they do not have to have a health background, but uh, they need to be committed to to having good health care in Juneau. And there's lots of good training opportunities
0: once you get on the board. Also on the program, board chair Kenny Solomon-Gross talked about their progress on picking up hospice and home care.
3: Kappa Community Service uh, ran a hospice home care service in, in our community for lots of years and and it, it wasn't, they weren't able to handle it anymore. They came to Bartlett Regional Hospital um, several months ago and talked to us about this. Mr. Keith, our, our CEO, um, came from another hospital and he's very familiar with home hosp- hospice and healthcare and he's brought somebody up here to help guide Bartlett through these times and right now we've applied for our license. Um, we plan to be be run, up and running with home health care and hospice in the very short future and stress the importance of the program it's, it's, it's such an important services right now to bartlett to do that and i know other members of the of the nonprofit have come to bartlett and talked to us and help want to help support us and make sure that this happens both
0: made the remarks on capital chat the Juno Community Foundation has received a matching gift challenging them to raise $75,000 to feed the children in the community throughout the year. Executive Director Amy Skillbred with that word while on Action Line.
2: This past month we've been working with partners to identify some of the safety net gaps in Juno and focus primarily on food and food for Juno kids rose to the top of many's concerns pretty quickly. And as you know, you know the students are facing a pretty long winter vacation, and for some it's a really great time, no school, playing with friends, skiing, snowboarding, you know, family and presence. But for others, it also means 19 days of no school, and that means increased hunger. So we began to do something about it and started a matching fund with a donation from the Benito and Francis C. Gagin Foundation. And people are now donating money and time to assist with preparing and distributing.
0: There will be over 500 boxes that'll be distributed.
2: It's going to be in the end about 500 vacation food boxes. And to augment, you know, basically they'll augment food for kids for the long winter vacation. And primarily these are going to go to kids that are currently getting um, food bags on the weekend from their schools. And, It's made possible because we're doing what a thousand or so other community foundations across the country do. We're pooling donations and we're working with partners like the school district to to get the boxes made and out the door.
0: Skillbred said more information on how to contribute is available at JunoCF.org. Juno Dance Theater will be presenting the Nutcracker December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at the Juno Douglas High School Auditorium. This year's production features guest artists Elizabeth Murphy, principal dancer with the Pacific Northwest Ballet, and Zachary Catazaro, principal dancer with the Cleveland Ballet. Juno Dance Theater said other highlights include costumes, scenery, and choreography by their artistic director, Zachary Hench. The Nutcracker cast includes more than 80 Juno Dance Theater students and adults, ranging in age from 5 to 78. All performances are taking place at the JDHS Auditorium. The first showing is on December 2nd, which is a Friday, at 7 p.m. Another two are on Saturday, December 3rd, at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m., One more showing will be on Sunday, December 4th at 2 p.m. The Nutcracker performance length is about an hour and 45 minutes, including one intermission. With legislators set to come back next year to Juneau for the 39th legislature, the welcome reception is making a return. More after the break. You're listening to News of the North. The Alaska legislative reception has a date, time, and location in January of next year. After two years of cancellations due to the pandemic, Alaska Committee Chair Wayne Jensen talked about their plans to welcome members of the soon-to-be 39th legislature.
3: So we're transferring it to Elizabeth Paradovich Hall. It'll be on the 17th of January, which is the first day of the session. Um and uh, what we're doing in the meantime is we'll be sending out uh, information to individuals and businesses around the community to help as they always have this community has been very generous in uh, supporting the alaska committee and doing what we can to support Juneau as the capital uh, and that we're looking for uh, gift donations uh, that we can put in the, the gift bags and then also cash donations to help pay for the catering and the, and the rental of the, of the room and things like that.
0: Jensen spoke to the mission of the Alaska Committee.
3: Alaska Committee has been around since the early or mid 90s, I think 95, uh, was formed, uh, to be proactive and to support Juneau as Alaska's capital city and to reach out across the state to see what we can do to, you know, improve the capital city and, and to, uh, enhance the capital city and one of the things we do is uh, we host a legislative reception every year we have now for uh, as i said 39 years uh, and this year we're going back to in-person uh, reception the last two years we didn't do that and made this note about legislative housing again on the 17th of january um, coming up they're probably around five to seven it's not, it's not a, a long one but uh, it's close enough that people can walk down from the Capitol and, you know, have a good time. It's good to meet everybody uh, that's coming in uh, from past years. And it's also good to meet the new ones that are coming in. This will be a new legislature this year. So uh, there will be new legislators that will just be coming to Juneau. And I you put in a little, another plug on that is that, you know, they'll all be looking for housing and things to do in Juneau. Uh, housing is a big deal. Legislative Affairs Agency has a list. And so if people have housing uh, that they would uh, be willing to rent for legislators and staff, you know, there's more staff than there are legislators. So, you know, housing staff is uh, even more important than legislators. So uh, get in touch with the Legislative Affairs Agency, and they can uh, put, put it on a list and uh, help get people housed uh, during the session.
0: Alaska committee chair Wayne Jensen on action line. This week Senator Lisa Murkowski had fielded mineral concerns to David Crane, nominee to be undersecretary of energy for infrastructure.
4: I've been a little bit uh, frustrated with some of the some of the things that we've seen from this administration. They're saying the right words about uh, accessing our our critical minerals, uh, not being reliant on on places like China, which we know we're so heavily heavily reliant. Um, but they're saying one thing, and then certainly with with initiatives in my state, it seems that they're doing the the other way. We're seeing permits being pulled, we're seeing right of ways being rescinded, applications for funding being passed up on.
0: The senator stressed the importance of Alaska's mineral resources and how the department is using the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to address the critical mineral supply shortage.
4: If you can speak uh, generally to me as as the nominee for Undersecretary for Infrastructure, whether you agree that infrastructure for critical supply and processing in this country is is important. Um, is lacking? Uh, do you think that accessing is a challenge? And what what basically can you do to assure me that uh, there's a plan here to help address our nation's critical shortage when it comes to, to these minerals?
0: Crane responded saying, I completely agree with you that this is an essential uh, area that needs to be addressed. There's no point in in just switching from dependence on foreign sources of oil and gas to foreign sources on other technologies where we have this Achilles heel of not you know, getting the minerals from China. And further addressed how he hopes to address mineral development. Vertical, there, there is a manufacturing and supply chain. Office, which has been funded with several billion of dollars, which is very carefully looking at this and is going to be uh, um, identifying areas where we can directly lean in, in in terms of ensuring those supplies. And so I'm ex- extremely supportive of that and will uh, and will implement that vigorously. And if you don't mind going back to your opening comment, um, I I, if I if I get confirmed and get a chance and get invited, I will come to Alaska. On a broader note, Alaska leveraged $688 million in federal highway and bridge funding in fiscal year 2022 to help jumpstart 248 new improvement projects in communities across the state during the first year of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. A review of the U.S. Treasury Department data through September 30th shows one of the largest projects supported is the construction of new highway from Juno Creek near Cooper Landing to Sterling Highway. That project comes in at 41 million. Out of the top projects, one also includes reconstruction of the Haynes Highway at 28 million. President Joe Biden signed the infrastructure into law November 15th of last year. Nearly 90% of the law's highway funds are dispersed by, to buy existing formula to states with the remainder distributed through discretionary grant awards and other allocated programs. At a graduation ceremony on Friday, 43 new law enforcement officers received their badges in Alaska.
5: 17 weeks ago, These students arrived at the Department of Public Safety Training Academy as strangers to each other and with only a vague idea of what lie ahead. The training here is not known for being easy and making it through the academy is an accomplishment they will never forget.
0: That was Lieutenant Grant Miller, who is Lieutenant of the Department of Public Safety Training Academy in Sitka.
5: These students represent many Alaska law enforcement agencies. The common thread Present among all of them was a the desire to serve the citizens of Alaska as professional law enforcement officers. Today is the day that many have thought of for years and certainly all have dreamed about for the past 17 weeks. Each of them has found within themselves the mental and physical fortitude necessary to complete this training program. It is this same mental and physical toughness that will help carry them through their careers. AILA 2202 faced many challenges here. They have spent over a thousand hours either in the classroom or engaged in practical scenarios, learning more than 70 subjects. They completed numerous exams nearly every Saturday.
0: Schooling included intensive instruction in law enforcement related topics, physical fitness, and many scenario based exercises to design to prepare entry level police officers and troopers for successful careers in Alaska law enforcement.
5: The overall grade point average for Alec 2202 was a respectable 90.47%. The overall physical fitness average of this class rose from an entry level of 71.67% at their entry level physical fitness test to an impressive 94.67% final. These scores speak volumes regarding your efforts. Well done.
0: Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date for news of the north. This is Kevin Allen.